Hop on your bike and get going. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as Roderick Magnusino tells us all about his action-adventure game, Tricycle, Ride or Die. Inspired by punk music, anti-colonialism, Filipino history, and folklore, this high-octane adventure has you and your friends blitzing through the jungle as you evade pursuers and lead the fight. It's all happening right here on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be joined by a wonderful creator who's doing something really cool, and it's a game that I I want to run and <laughs> explore because I love it. Roderick, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you. You reached out to me. We were actually just talking a little bit before the show started, and you are telling me a little bit about the inspirations for this game and that game is tricycle ride or die and like i said it looks phenomenal this is for zine month 2023 i'm just i'm enamored with the possibilities for this game so i'm really excited to get to know more about it as we talk thank you (laughs) (laughs) but before we dive into what the game is can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself sure I'm Roger Maxino. I've been designing games um, for about seven years now. I started off in board games, uh, and then the scene, as it exploded, became a little too capitalistic for me, and so I wanted something a little more artistic. And when Zine started to gain popularity, I'm like, oh, this is such a perfect format to just create without the, the giant financial barrier. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so I, I switched over to making RPG zines, started with Remember Frankie uh, earlier this last year, and, uh, and now I'm making Tricycle. And I approach games, I'm a full-time um, sound designer for film and, and filmmakers, okay. and I've been doing that for over 10 years. And so when I make games or when I play them, I always come from a filmmaker perspective in terms of story and character and how that's all portrayed and that's like what i know and how i appreciate things and so uh that always spills into my designs and that always goes into what i like into like in games that i play myself i think that comes in loud and clear in tricycle especially some of the images and the descriptions that are used to describe what you're doing it's really evocative of the tone and the cinematic approach to it but you had mentioned you did board games first and i'm kind of interested in in that I know that you said you flipped over from zines, but what's it like going from creating board games to switching over and making zines? Because there's quite a difference in how you play those. Yeah, uh, in terms of like uh, just playing or the design and, and creation aspect of it. A little bit of both, if you don't mind. Uh, I love playing board games still. Um, they're. As I've, the longer I play games, the more niche my interests become, and I try to find like the really weird, interesting stuff that really captivate me. And with board games specifically, I always had the struggle of finding the right game that tied mechanics to the theme very well. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it's very easy to create a mechanic and slap it onto a thing, but it doesn't actually make sense when you're yeah. when you're when you're going through it. So. Uh, and then as I was designing game uh, board games, I made uh, this game called Aylwood in, first in 2015, relaunched in 2018. Uh, but after I was doing the release for that, just the amount of work that came to logistics in getting it funded, manufactured, shipped, stored, all of that, it was just so much. It kind of took the fun out of it for me. I know other people love that part. Um, but I was really interested in the design and creation of it. And once we got into the actual manufacturing, I was just completely burnt out. Uh, but I didn't want to stop making games. So, um, I was playing RPGs on the side as already, and I was already fascinated by that. And at that point, zine culture was really starting to take off. And I was like, Oh, cool. I had this idea for a game like years ago called, uh, remember Frankie, which is inspired by Tom Waits music. 
Okay. And I was like, yeah, well, it's it's a game where people reminisce about a person named Frankie, but he doesn't exist, but you're using your real memories to tell these stories about this person who doesn't exist. And in the end, you find this connection with all the players around you. And I was like, there's no way I can make this a game when I was making board games. Like, I tried to make it a card game and all these different things, and it wasn't working. And then uh, a couple years ago, I was like, oh, wait, I can make this a zine. It's cheap enough and abstract enough, and the, the, the financial barrier is low enough that I can really just make this really weird idea of a game, and it's not going to hurt. So I started with Remember Frankie, um, and that did really... And for how small it was and how uh, unknown I was to the community, it did, I thought, pretty well. Enough for me to make the next one, which was Tricycle. And the entire process, compared to board games, was just so much more fun and freeing. Because um, the production part of it is so fast and easy. Yeah. Especially, I guess it comes from, uh, since I come from a film maker background i'm just used to putting 110 percent of my energy into a project for a short period of time and then when it's done i just move on to the next one i can't do like the same thing for a really really long time and zines was like the perfect the perfect match i can get an idea out and get it out there the public and right when i'm on the cusp of getting tired of it i'm like i can move on to the next project <laughs> it's done yeah that's amazing i'm glad to hear that i'm glad that you didn't burn out because Burnout super serious, especially in any type of tabletop game creator, because it's such a competitive and difficult field to make anything in. But we're here to talk about Tricycle Ride or Die, which, like I said, is one of the most stylish games I've seen in a long time. So what is Tricycle Ride or Die? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Tricycle Ride or Die is a system agnostic fantasy motorcycle adventure deep in the jungle. Uh, players ferry uh, a Bubba Ilan fugitive through a violent colonial occupation and battle nightmarish monsters with ancient magic, all to a hip-hop and punk music playlist. That's the part that got me. I loved that so much when I saw that little tagline. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, riding around on motorcycles, swinging swords to a killer soundtrack, uh, leading revolution and fighting monsters. It's everything that I love. That's... <laughs> jam-packed into one one little adventure what brought this idea forward because it's very action movie inspired and i love it and there's definitely some like fantasy and horror into there but how did this appear and you decide that this is what you're working on well it uh it was a really basic idea to begin with and then all the other parts started layering in the more i worked on it so the original inspiration came from akira the 1980s anime and i just wanted i always wanted this is when i was making board games i always wanted to make a game where there's just motorcycle combat i love the idea of Mm -hmm. riding around in a gang on a motorcycle doing crazy things and i tried to make a board game version of it and the design wasn't working out tried to make a miniatures version of it it was being too expensive and it just another idea that sat around yeah. Uh, until I started making RPGs. I'm like, oh, theater of the mind. You can do anything. Um, <laughs> and so I was working on an idea. Of, okay, so I have this basic idea. You're on a motorcycle. You're with a group of people. And you have to do stuff. And now I have to figure out where is this going to take place in the city. Uh, and I try different, different settings. And the reason I chose the Philippines is, one... They, they're famous for their tricycle taxis, which I think are really yeah. interesting and have a lot of personality and gives players a, um, a really fun way to customize their bike. And by customizing your bike, you're customizing your, yourself as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also chose the, the Philippines because as a, as a designer, I always kind of want to put a little bit of myself into whatever I'm working on. And so... Tricycle is the first project I've ever really put my own heritage and background in the forefront in the project. I've kind mm-hmm. of never done that before. Um, a lot of it is due to uh, being a second generation immigrant. And I don't know if you heard the story from people who are second gen uh, American immigrants is that like, especially if you are a Gen X or a millennial in that times, a lot of people were, grew up 
with their parents sort of, uh, what do you call it, uh, assimilating them. Yeah. So a lot of people like me didn't grow up learning two languages, didn't, uh, was, couldn't afford to, to visit the Philippines. So uh, in a lot of ways, growing up, I was told in so many ways, I'm not American enough, but then I would hang out with my family, people in the Philippines who can speak both languages, and they would always give me the sense that I'm not Asian enough. So I'm always in this middle, uh, and I wanted to make a game that could address that. So when I decided to make Tricycle, I was like, okay, so I'm going to make a game that is rooted and inspired by Filipino history and politics, which I know and have learned from my parents and family growing up, but from mm -hmm. the viewpoint of an American. Um, and one of the things that I, one of the mechanics I threw in there that I was really excited about is the style mechanic for your bike. So yeah. anytime you're, you're, uh, when you're driving your bike, you have this uh, option to customize your ride to either suggest affiliation with the colonial powers or suggest affiliation with the people's revolution. And mm -hmm. each leg of the journey, that, um, that stat is going to get tested. So uh, every every leg of the journey, your your style stat is going to influence directly how the game interacts with you for every village that you appear in. Yeah. So if you want to style yourself to look more like the revolution, you'll get the um, the the people support, but at the same time, you're going to endure the prejudice that comes from the state, right? If you want to mm -hmm. look more like you're in affiliation with the colonial powers. And kind of right under the radar, you can do that. But at the same time, you'll, your tricycle is going to be looked at as like a sign of oppression by the people who get less support from them. So no matter what you try to do uh, in either side that you try to affiliate yourself with, you're always going to get benefits and disadvantages. So you're always going to be in the center of this kind of uh, polarized controversy, right? By merely existing as who you are. And that was like the biggest, for me, the biggest thing that I, I put in there. Yeah. It's such a cool stat too. And I like how it's tested because the, as much as you as the character are the character, the tricycle that you all utilize together is like its own entity as well. It, it's almost like a face of the group. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. And I like how that, that style stat plays in with everything. It's just a, a really good way to tell the narrative without jamming something down the player's throat that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, part of the way that I wanted to create uh, all the details and the narrative, like with the bike and everything, uh, like I said, I, I try to approach it from uh, a filmmaker perspective. Yeah. And the way I like movies are, you know, show, don't tell, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to figure out the themes myself without you explaining everything. And I do the same, I like the same thing in when I play games. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like lore dumping at the very, at the beginning of a game. Give me yeah. just enough so uh, I know what I'm getting into. So in the player pamphlet, the the open information, the, the information for the players is pretty small. It just gives you the idea of like who you are, where you are, what's happening. Here's some background for your character uh, and some, some some items to kind of flavor your background. Once you figure out who you are in relation to each other, you're just thrown into the action. And it's by progressing through each leg of the of the trip that you slowly uncover more and more about what this island's about, who you are, things like that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to show it too. The player characters are obviously super important. How does somebody go about kind of making their character and getting into the job and going on this journey? So uh, since it's system agnostic, you can use any kind of uh, fantasy system that you enjoy. I prefer uh, people use kind of OSR systems because they're a lot quicker to build characters. They're a lot more yeah. deadly and they're a lot more straightforward. You can focus on the story. Um, but after you create your characters and you have your classes and whatever that you need for it, um, the two steps that you need to take uh, in Tricycle is one, you need to figure out what your character is carrying. Uh, since it's only one to four players, I keep it really simple. There's only four options. Um, <clears throat> and they're all things that are inspired by either uh, Filipino folklore and mythology or actual historical context that have been uh, restylized in the fantasy setting. Yeah. Um, and after you pick your 
um, character item, uh, everyone rolls a d4 to figure out what their backstory is, and each of their backstory is specifically at how the Imperio had, or the Imperio is what we call the colonial powers, uh, is how the Imperio had directly affected you as a character, and that should help pinpoint and drive your motivation in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once you, once you get your characters set up, kind of talk about how you all know each other, the idea is that everyone in the party shares one tricycle because that's all you can afford, but also at the same time, because the jungle is so deadly, um, you need multiple people to just as sort of uh, as ammunition to help you survive. <laughs> so, and that makes it pretty fun because when you're driving, when you're doing the mobile combat, uh, it's the idea that swinging around the tricycle, jumping on the roof, changing positions is just as easy as moving on, on flat land. So you can create these really interesting narratives of battling while riding. I love how stylish it is. One of the things that I think kind of pops up pretty easily is when you're looking at the book and you see like the driving instructions. It's like only a handful of sentences, but it's super clear and it tells you exactly what you're doing. And since it's system agnostic, like you give a breakdown pretty well on how to do these things. So getting people going in this game is amazing. And I love that there are some options for your tricycle too. The fact that you have different seatings and like you can carry passengers and it gives a lot of a lot of options to play in a really cool story. Yeah, uh, that was the, the, the fun thing in, in figuring out, especially because I'm doing this in a dual pamphlet format. There's only certain uh, uh, so much real estate to protect that every line I put down had to convey a, an important piece of information. I couldn't have any like filler content mm-hmm. in there, you know? So that's yeah. why everything's super like straightforward. <laughs> so really important question when it comes to zines like this too obviously there is like that story there is the the setting that but how do you keep motorcycle combat and travel not just feeling like going from town to town in 5e on a horseback Mm. so the map that i provide uh they'll have these uh checkpoints which are villages and in between each village there is a a path which has numbers on it. Each number is a leg of the journey in which you're going to have an encounter. Um, some places only have one leg, some places have three, and the longer the journey is, the harder it is um, for the endurance for you to actually make it there, and so all of your choices be dire. In order for me to like keep it interesting, each leg of the journey, and I try to keep it interesting for the GM as well. Yes. So everything, the encounters, the terrain details, it's all randomized, but it's randomized. So a lot of it's also randomized as a direct influence of the player choices. So depending on your style, that dictates who exactly you interact with. Um, and depending on the choices that you make, that, that, that also shows like what your bike is capable of. And that'll tell you what kind of actions you have available to you. So to keep it interesting, every leg, I, I provide multiple randomized terrain details uh, and uh, giving the GM opportunity to create uh, a completely different landscape of the mountain and that's going to influence all of their their, their choices uh, especially stylistically you know if you have a if you're driving on a, a sheer cliffside versus a shallow river the entry of your monster is going to be different in how yeah. you style that how that bring that in um, and um, breakdowns are also a really big and important part of the game. So the idea of the tricycle is that it's not, it doesn't run on regular gas. It runs on what the Imperio referred to as, quote, the heart, which is this infinite power source. Uh, however, this infinite power source connected to local materials to make the bike, the materials aren't strong enough to withhold it's energy, so the bike is constantly breaking down or on the verge of breaking down as you're doing maneuvers. Every time you do a check to just drive through a piece of terrain, to use it as a weapon, to maneuver here or there, you also have to do 
a durability check on your bike. Um, so that makes every choice that you do feel like you're just on the edge of it breaking down, in which if you break down in the middle of the pathway, um, you can't move forward until you actually stop and take time to repair it, in which you become very vulnerable to the elements around you. So there's, when you're traveling, even though you're just traveling from checkpoint to checkpoint, there's a constant level of danger in everything that you do. It's such a cool mechanic. I love the breakdown mechanic because either things are tense, you're working hard to make sure that the bike doesn't break down, or you're broken down and a couple of people might be working on the bike while you're waiting for somebody to come and get you. Yeah. It's such a good mechanic. I really like it. And I feel like at least once in a game, you're going to break down. And that's like, that's one of those like peak highlight moments for me as a player. Yeah. Every, every test that I've done, there's been at least one breakdown and they've, they've always been really fun. Um, because it's kind of when you least expect it. And the, the drama of just rolling those dice. So essentially the way the, the durability for your dice work is that you have four durability dice. They're all D6s. Yeah. For every maneuver that you do, you have to do a handling check. Some systems it's dexterity, others it's coordination, whatever you're using. If you pass your handling check, you have to roll one durability die. If you roll a one or a two, that die is broken. On a three or up, it's fine. If you fail your handling check, not only do you fail the maneuver you do, but you also have to roll all of your durability dice, and on one and twos they break. So it's not like a it's not like a linear uh, depletion of dice, right? It's still luck, no. but it's just enough where it you all of a sudden you're like, oh, we got four dice, we're good. You try to jump a ravine, you roll a dice, and only one of the die survives, and you're like, oh no. Like we broke off the like part of the wheel and you know now it's it's barely holding on. We got this thing behind us, you know. So it's it's a nice surprise. Um, and to keep the tension going, not only is every encounter randomized and your your environment is randomized, but the game starts off like right off the bat, um, you're being pursued. Uh, yeah. So. I waste try to waste no time in getting players into the action. There's like there's a whole paragraph that describes what you know the job is, and by mm-hmm. the end of the paragraph, it's like oh now you have to run like hell, <laughs> and so everywhere you go, there are these hunters that are pursuing you, and every time you stop to um, you know, repair your bike or repair your armor or heal or search for medicine or help the locals. Um, those pursuers are going to get closer and closer and closer. And so it keeps people having to decide constantly um, weighing their, their, their own morality in a way. Cause like mm-hmm. you can't get to the end without the help of the locals, but vice versa, they'll need your help. But every time you help them, you're getting uh, another big encounter creeping up on you. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the way you just kind of hop in it and the action's always really like high up. It kind of reminds me in a way of games like Blades in the Dark, where you're like thrown right into the action. If you're on a Mm -hmm. mission, you're just, you're in there and just, it's cinematic. It's cinematic in a way that a lot of other games don't handle moments like this. And I think that is, I mean, it says something about the way that you write. Like it's so good. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. uh, It's really important um, when I'm, when I'm writing this to uh, make it feel as though, the words are jumping out of the page when you're reading it. So everything, yeah. the, the word choices are very visceral and mm-hmm. uh, immediate rather than passive. Yeah. I, I think that it, the book really, the zine really does that though. Like it, I could probably pull up a couple of friends, explain to them, Hey, this is what I want to do and be going on this in like five minutes. And, that's exciting to me. Like any game that I can bust out and just go is so, so good to even just get people introduced into a new style of game. 
we were talking a little bit about bike repairs in when you break down, but is there any way to fix up the tricycle between those moments? Or is that just like you're spending your time and letting those pursuers get closer? Um, well, that's really up to the players to be creative. Uh, so there's no real any like safe point. Their pursuers will always get closer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of time unless you find a way to evade or or slow them down or things like that. It's not um, what's what's so lovely about role playing games is that there's there's nothing linear with your choices. You can uh, you know that you know that the fact is okay. Every time we stop to do a thing they're going to get closer. So what can we do to um, either slow them down or speed us up? And you have villages, you have the jungle itself, you have all these different things. And depending on your characters too, can your characters set up traps? Can your characters, you know, hide, hide yourselves? Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's kind of the answer I was hoping for. So (laughs) (laughs) I try to note it in the game, uh, just in the text itself to remind people, it's like, hey, don't forget, you're on a motorcycle, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like, oh, don't forget, you're in the jungle, you can use the terrain to your advantage. Uh, yeah. And let's try to list like little examples so to inspire people to be like, oh yeah, you know what? I can just go ahead and use use the um, use the vines here, or I can you know catch the wind while we're driving and do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Like I said, it does give you a lot of options for how compact it is. Something that I'm really interested in, though, Roderick, isn't directly tied to the game itself. But I'm curious about the the research that went into this, because you had mentioned a little bit about your own background and being a second-generation immigrant. And how did you go about studying and choosing the bits that you really liked and wanted to make sure were packed into this tight little zine? Well, the, when I had to figure out, um, specific, like specifically with monsters and encounters, um, I referred to the favorite, my favorite stories that I was told growing up. Um, so some of the monsters that you see in there, um, are, and there are a lot of variations in what exactly those monsters are, mm-hmm. depending which I, which island you're on and everything. This is my version that I grew up, and I know just by looking online that um, there are different variations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is, and I don't know how how. In fact, when I looked online, I found that my version of one of these creatures uh, didn't really pop up anywhere. Uh, so. It was interesting to see like how, just how different uh, the regions were, and specifically mine was was really different. So, yeah, I just wanted to put my favorite creatures in there first off, and then I started uh, implementing um, just what I knew about the Philippines' uh, complicated past, and I figure. Uh, interesting settings for games or even movies that always catch my attention if there's a lot of tension there's even more tension when the backdrop is unsettling right so you're not just like running away from people and fighting monsters you run away running away from people and fighting monsters in a completely polarized influx setting which is a revolution right you have colonial occupation and you have the people who want to rise up against it and you're stuck in the middle and that's like Oh, that's great conflict. That's all sorts of stuff happening. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, a lot of the, the hunters and the guards and the people, NPCs and uh, figures that you end up confronting or fighting with are directly inspired um, by the Spanish colonialism, yeah. which is about 300 years. But the whole game is inspired by the all of the imperial colonialism that happened within about 400 years. So like the motorcycle itself was specifically referencing um, the American occupation when they brought over their Harley Davidsons during World War II. You know, that's why you have that style of motorcycle. And then the 
the the guards and the hunters that you you see are a mix of American soldiers and uh, Spanish conquistadors in just terms of their armor and their attitudes, um, and that a lot of um, you'll have things in your character backstories and the checkpoint encounters, the the the, the happenings that you find in the villages. They're all not yeah they're inspired by. Uh, or loosely inspired by things that have happened throughout uh, the Philippines' occupation. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's why one of the biggest NPCs in the game, right off the bat, we talk about how your fare, your job, is transporting a Babylon um, priestess uh, up the mountain. And in the game setting, these shaman priestesses are outlawed by the colonial powers, which was a yeah. huge thing in real history, where... Before this, the colonial, uh, the Spanish occupation, um, all the islands were kind of their own entity. They had their own kingdoms. They had their own trade, economy, everything. A lot of these uh, communities, their community leaders were healers and shamans, referred to as mm-hmm. Babylons. And when the Spanish uh, came over, they systematically uh, kind of spread this propaganda to... Uh, change the rhetoric of these shamans into basically witches mm. uh, and then kind of dethrone their uh, influence in the communities. And so yeah. that's, the, that's the conflict that you see within the game of people either referring to Babylons as healers or witches and how the different viewpoints um, affect your gameplay. So that's like part of the style, right? So if you okay. show up, if you show up, uh, and people are aware of who your your passenger is, and you your style goes on one way of the spectrum. You can have a situation where the villagers are actually upset of who you are and what you're doing, you know. Mm. And so, just your your passenger it's themselves is a cause of conflict wherever you go. Yeah, that's so interesting. I I love hooking up an NPC that fulfills that role it's just a a very good story beat that's just present and everybody has that one npc that they just bring along with them so (laughs) them being part of the story is also great yeah and it's uh i tried to make that npc your passenger for for the gm's sake um you know i provide their backstory their mission what they're trying to do and i provide these prompts that are sort of automatic prompts yeah. um, to allow the GM to give this character some personality without having, without having to think too much. It's like, yeah. if, if she sees this, she'll do this. Or if she sees that, she'll do that. And then uh-huh. that way for the players, it's like, oh, this is kind of this, uh, this kind of uncontrollable, fiery character, but it's all spelled <laughs> out in the, in the game. So just for a little bit of clarification, Roderick, just because... Prior to Tricycle, I haven't really been privy to a whole lot of Filipino folklore, and I'd never actually seen the the term Babayalong before. That, that's kind of like a spiritual leader, right? Like they they have some ties to spirituality and that. Yeah. Of, yeah. Okay. So they're they're known for being able to you know commune, commune with the spirit world to have an understanding of supernatural entities and rituals they're known in villages as healers um yeah okay that's first of all thank you for teaching me something new i love folklore and i need to read up more on some of the other cultures out there because there's a lot out there and i would like to explore it yeah (laughs) and i i tried to put i tried to put uh Instead of um, spending a lot of time uh, describing the lore and background of each of these items and references, mm-hmm. just like in a movie um, that sprinkles your narrative there, I, I threw it in there, and the the rules text itself is a reference to what that historical thing is, without yeah. having to slow down the game, without having to slow down with a bunch of lore dumping. It's just, if you're interested in it, you can just look it up. But also, you get an idea of what it is 
just from there. Like for example, uh, some of the items that you can get, uh, a resolve stick, who's, it says, uh, <clears throat> if you get this resolve stick for your character, it says, a thunderous or whispered voice will speak aloud anything composed with this writing stick. And it's called a resolve stick because I, I base it off of Jose Rizal, who wrote uh, a book in 1887 called Touch Me Not, which was a mm. book critiquing uh, Spanish colonialism, which was a direct influence in the revolution. Like that's, I always thought it was really cool. The Philippine Revolution was yeah. inspired by literature, but by a book, you know. So, see, it's funny because I think I I've heard that name before, but I didn't realize that that had any tie to anything major like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I just. I've, uh, an interesting one. There's uh, another item here called Lapu Lapu's Kampilan. Kampilan is a sword, a, a double-edged sword, the one that you see in the yeah. cover that the character is holding. It's super and cool. It says, those who wield this sword see a floating head that only they can interact with. Uh, and the reason I wrote that, if you look up the history, Lapu Lapu is famous for uh, decapitating uh, Magellan when he tried to invade and convert the island. Oh! <laughs> so you just... Yeah, and people have really fun, interesting uh, narratives when they have that sword. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. Okay, so another question, and I know that this is something that I said I really liked right at the beginning, and obviously you liked, you put it in, your sound designer, curated music. Yeah. Can you like tell me a little bit about this playlist? Like, Yeah, um, so... I actually, music is a big motivator whenever I'm working on a game. Uh, when I was writing, when I was making Elwood, my very first game, I was just listening to tons of Ennio Morricone. Um, when I was making Remember Frankie, I listened to so much Tom Waits. Um, <laughs> and so for this one, I was listening, I just needed something to get my blood pumping to get me uh, in the excited mood that I'm trying to evoke in the game. And so I picked a lot of um, uh, a music that was about decolonization, uh, mm -hmm. uh, civil rights, and fighting for your rights type of music, which happened to be, of course, a lot of hip-hop and a lot of punk. And so yeah. I would make a playlist. The playlist was originally for myself. I was just that I was just slowly building out. I'd be listening to as I was designing and, and running the game. And just over the course of time, it ended up being, you know, almost five hours of music. Oh, wow. Of just uh, tons of art. And I actually discovered a lot of artists because of it. So there's specifically a lot of um, L.A.-based Filipino hip-hop artists, which are amazing. Like Gambu, Ruby Ibarra, Rocky Rivera. Amazing lyricists that have killer tracks. But then I didn't want to make it regional i wanted these are southeast asian um uh history and politics that i'm referencing but i feel like the themes are universal so i wanted yeah. to have music from everywhere so that because in the end this this game is about identity it's about it's about revolution and so i have all sorts of tracks um from like bikini kill to dead kennedy's to even Malvina Reynolds, do you know who that is? The name. She's like, she's a she's a protest singer and from like the '60s, but she's just like this kind of elderly lady with an acoustic guitar. She also sings. So within all this like hip hop and punk, there's a song. It's like, it isn't nice to block the doorway. Okay. It isn't nice yes. to go to jail. <laughs> and it's like. I do know so, who this is. I had to search them up real quick. Yeah, I know Melvina Reynolds. <laughs> so I just, I put it all in there. There's stuff from Jill Scott Heron. There's stuff from Sindios, which is a really intense song called Alerta Antifascista. And um, there's just tons of really great music from old uh -huh. artists and new artists. I have stuff from The Clash, but I also have stuff from Ciroc, stuff from Public Enemy, Nina Simone, to, you know, Sonic Youth and The Coup. And so... There's just tons of really good music, either for when you're prepping as a GM to get you motivated or playing the game in real time, or if you just want to listen to something to light a fire in your belly, you know? Yeah. I'm into it. Like, 
I remember looking at a couple of tracks and listening to a little bit of this while I was writing the questions and and getting it. Like, yeah, it, it'll it'll light a fire in you. And <laughs> I think that's so important with a game that's tackling something like anti-colonialism and revolution. It's just, it's so good. It's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, ever, like, for the longest time, even before I was designing stuff, um, music played a huge role in gaming, right? If we're, we're going to play a, a space adventure, well, let's play spacey background music, you know? Yeah. And it just really helps that immersion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so big question here. You're going to be backing this on Crowdfunder. Crowdfunder is relatively new, but could you tell me a little bit about the Crowdfunder experience and what audiences will be getting when they back Tricycle and when it succeeds and goes to print and they get this really cool game? All right. So uh, building this campaign on Crowdfunder has been really awesome because uh, the the owner and creator of of this site has been a part of the zine month discord directly yes um so any questions that anybody had they'd be like hey how do i get this button to show up or like hey my thing isn't showing up in the uh the search list and he'll immediately respond and be like oh yeah hold on let me let's get to it done and like that kind of immediate response has just was for me unprecedented because i've used to, I, i'm used to running my stuff on kickstarter yeah. And it's sort of like it's sort of once you once you launch, you're, you're sort of on your own. Like they'll they'll have little things here and there, but in, I've never seen a, a response, a direct response like this before. And so creating Gun Crawford has been a really nice transition. Any questions that I had had been answered immediately. And <clears throat> what's neat about it is that you are not restricted to specific tiers so you know on other ones other crowdfunding platforms you can pick you pick one tier and then you can have add-ons if you want but then you're stuck on that one specific tier like here's the physical game here is a group of games but with crowdfunder they split it up almost like a storefront so you can you can buy for example the print pdf but then you can also buy uh, an older game that we're putting out, or you can buy a special edition of something and just add mm-hmm. each one to the cart. So you can customize exactly which things that you want, which allowed me to design a page that's a little more just flexible and open so people can get exactly what they want rather than having it all bundled or me assuming what bundles people want. And so on <clears throat> the Tricycle Ride or Die crowdfunder is going to be launching on February 7th. 10 a.m. Eastern. When it goes live, um, you can get uh, some of the rewards you can get are the, uh, of course, you can get the tricycle PDF, which since it's only two sheets of paper, you can get the PDF bundles for $2. But if you want the printed version, which will be full bleed, full color, uh, 8.5 by 11 trifold, uh, that will be $8 plus shipping. And the shipping would be really low specifically because it's so small, it can fit in an envelope. Um, you can also on the on the crowdfunder if you don't want pds for yourselves or you want to contribute more towards the community i have community copies that you can buy which will go on to the tricycle itch page once the campaign is over i have a retail reservation for two dollars for anyone uh with a store who wants to look into wholesale distribution this i provided this here because I know some retailers have specifically said that they like having a, a very low tier that they can opt into so they can get a reminder when the campaign's over to, hey, we should get in touch about this thing. So I provided yeah. that for people to to do that. Um, I've also provided um, a PDF and or print and PDF copy of my older first zine, Remember Frankie, the Tom Waits zine, as just a way to... Yeah help fund this project. And then lastly, I put up a tier for to game with the designer. So uh, you can oh, pay if people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just, I made four, only four slots because I don't know if I can handle mentally more than that. Okay. No, that's <laughs> <But> fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can, you, if you opt for that tier, 
you pro you book a private uh, online session with me up to up to about four hours. You can split it up into multiple sessions or do one big four hour session. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to run the game for you. So if you and your friends want to just uh, get a copy of the game and not no one wants to jam it, I can do it for you. And I'll have all of the insight as the creator to be able to throw in all this extra things uh, into your adventure. And uh, of course, there is a link on the crowdfunder page to the playlist that I made. Uh, so you can go right yep. there, click on it, and jam out. So audience, that means that Tricycle is currently up on crowdfunder as of you hearing this. Okay, I got a couple more questions for you, Roger, because we're nearing the end of our our time together, but I've had a blast learning about this. So I got two final questions for you. First one, what advice can you give to people wanting to make their own games or start their own projects, but they don't really know where to start? Uh, For people starting out, I think the most important thing before production, before marketing, before any of that, um, just go on a sheet of paper and write down the skeleton of your idea. Um, <clears throat> start with the core, th- what I like to do so I don't lose sight of the, the goal of the game is I, try, I write down like what's what's the goal of this game? Mm-hmm. What do I want? In, the, in, gen- in general, what do I want players to experience with this? Um, so for Tricycle, I wrote down uh, like high, uh, high uh, action-packed motorcycle adventure. Um, that was just sort of a tagline for myself. And then from mm-hmm. there, I tried to just depict. Okay, so what is a high-speed motorcycle adventure? And I would just list out ideas that I thought was interesting. Uh, more so thematic ideas before mechanical ideas. That's how I work. Yeah. Every once in a while, I think of a mechanic. Hey, this is a cool mechanic. Maybe I can figure something out for it. But for me, I think um, like it's a movie. Like, what parts? What cinematic moments do I want to have in this game? Well, I want to be riding in the jungle. I want people to, uh, you know, do motorcycle to motorcycle stuff. I want people swinging swords and fighting monsters. Um, and kind of once I write down a list of like the moments that I have, then I start breaking down the mechanics that would fit for those particular moments and then that's how i try to uh i have an easier way of uh, attaching mechanics with theme because i'm starting with the emotion first and then working backwards that's great advice being able to relate your mechanics to the themes is i think it's um we talked about it before on the show i think it's called ludo narrative right and being able to do that and have everything link up just makes your your game or your project just feel a lot nicer and flow a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Final question, Roderick, and the most important easily, where can people find out more about you and tricycle ride or die? Uh, They can find me at alewoodgames.com. A L E W O O D G A M E S.com. That's sort of the, the, what do you call it? The, the headquarter hub of all of my games. And yeah. sometimes they, they they branch out to other sites like Itch or Fun Again, who, who was doing my distribution for Elwood, things like that. But since it's all scattered, ElwoodGames.com <laughs> is kind of where it's all centralized. So if you just want to find everything I'm working on, that's a good place to start. But then you can also find me on social media. I'm on Instagram as Elwood Games. I'm on Twitter as Elwood underscore the game, which I don't I made that in so many years ago, I don't know why I did the underscore, but I'm stuck with it now. So, <laughs> <I get that. laughs> so L underscore the game is my Twitter handle. Uh, plus you can find me on itch and you can find me. Um, yeah, just random places, but Elwoodgames.com is a good place to start. As always audience, those links are going to be down in the description below. Roderick, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week and telling me about tricycle ride or die. And just kind of walking me through this game. It was, it's really cool. I'm, yeah. I'm really fucking excited about this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is really fun to like, just be able to, to talk to you about, about everything. Well, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> the nice words there. And audience, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Roderick and Tricycle Ride or Die are scheduled to launch real soon. Go support them on Crowdfunder. 
get this game. It looks super cool. It's really stylish. And those prices, it's it's an easy drop to get this one. That's everything from us, though, for tonight. Take care of yourselves. I hope I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm here with a friend of the show, Lion Knight from Tales from the Table Studios. Lion, if you want to tell them about what's going on in March, we'd love to hear it. Thanks so much, Zach. Hi, I'm Lion with Tales from the Table Studios. And at the end of March, the 24th through the 26th, we're going to be running a charity drive, the Days of Tales 2, in support of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We're going to be raising money through 36 hours over the course of three days with actual plays, panels, giveaways, and some other really cool stuff that we can't talk about just yet. But it's going to be exciting. We're really excited to do it. And we are looking for people who are interested in spreading the word in any way that they can and sharing in this great opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. There's some friends of the show on there as well. So I'm really excited for all that to happen. Until next time, though, everybody, enjoy the outro. Thank you so much to Roderick for joining us on the show this week. Tricycle Ride or Die is one of those projects that I've wanted to talk about since I first saw it. And with it being system agnostic, it's really easy to plug into your game and get going. Tricycle's going to be on Crowdfunder until March 3rd, so go and support it. This one's super cheap, and it's written incredibly well, and I promise you're going to really enjoy this game. It's a lot of fun. I've run it once for my friends already. And thank you for listening, audience. It has been super reassuring to see and hear that the pot host didn't mess you over when we changed everything over. And I'm excited to be bringing more guests on. With Zine Months coming to an end, though, we may have a bit of a slowdown so I can work on Tale of the Void a bit. But other than that, expect to hear more from me in the near future. Please consider leaving a review on your podcatcher of choice and letting a friend know so this show grows more. That's all from me, though. I hope to see you somewhere out there. Bye.